This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Uh, it's time for What's Going On, where we check in with the other shows on The Zone Sports Network. Gordon, let's uh, check in with Hanson Scotty. Dennis Dodd was on with those two, uh, one of the great college football writers out there for CBSSports.com. And any time he has a chance to be on the station, it's a big deal. So let's go ahead and give that conversation a listen uh, they started off talking about uh, the decision to kind of place Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. Well, I mean, I, I thought, I wrote a column at the time that, you know, it was, it was commerce versus ethics. I mean, they made this rule because the, the conference itself thought that you should play six games to be eligible for the Big Ten championship. But when commerce got involved, and by that I mean money, uh, and it looked like Ohio State could nab $6 million for winning a national championship or getting in the playoff, well, they want to, they want to reconsider that. So tonight, you know, no matter what happens, Ohio State's going to play five games less than the team they're playing for a national championship. I know there are those that, that believe that's, you know, wrong or that shouldn't be the case, but, but here we are. You know, we, we thought, and I think we, uh, fans of college football, thought, you know, Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State were penciled in before COVID, so I guess in some ways just. Do you anticipate a good game tonight? I think it's going to be the best game we've seen in the playoff era. Um, I think the the over-under is going to be shattered. I think it's 75, and I, I, the, I, the score I picked is 48-42 Alabama. I think both teams will be in the 40s. This is a direct reflection of where college football, really football is right now, where offense wins championships. Uh, that's not me saying that. That's Nick Saban saying that this season, that you're just trying to limit, trying to steal a possession here and there to win a game. And I think it's going to be damn entertaining. You've got two high-powered offenses. You've got two elite coaches. You've got teams that match up. I think that's the biggest thing. Alabama really hasn't been challenged this year. And the teams that did, it was like this. Uh, Ole Miss, I think, at the chest, Ole Miss led at halftime, but, you know, uh, scored 48 points in it against Alabama. They lost 63-48. Florida pushed Alabama to the wire, losing 52-46. Ohio State, uh, I would venture to say, has more and better offensive weapons than either of those two teams, so I think they match up great. What's the word on the street about Jalen Waddle and his ability to uh, play tonight? You know, game time decision. Um, I don't know anything more than that. I can only guess the fact that he's been practicing, that he will play at least a few snaps, if nothing more than to be a decoy. I mean, we're talking about a guy who, if, if he had played, we'd probably be talking about him as the Bolitnikoff winner and the Heisman winner. But Devontae Smith, stepped in and was able to get all the all that playing time in those catches. Um, he is great on sweeps. 
He's a fantastic punt returner. That's how I got injured, by the way. And I don't have to tell you about what he was like as a uh, as a pass catcher. So I think just the threat of putting him on the outside for a few plays is going to have to make Ohio State evaluate how they want to cover uh, those two receivers. And then you go down to John Mechie, the third. He's no slouch himself. He's a deep threat himself. So um, I, the advantage goes to Alabama, even if he steps on the field. Dennis Dodd joining us right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Uh, Ohio State looks so good against Clemson and uh, did some great things defensively, even though they've had some struggles in the back end with the defensive backfield. Uh, how do you feel like that defense holds up against Alabama's just high-powered offense tonight? Well, I think between now and game time, that's the biggest thing to watch because Ohio State will release an availability chart or list about an hour before the game, and I'm anxious to see who is on that list because we, we've never gotten a straight answer from them all season about COVID. There was a report that they were having COVID problems, and the rumor mill was it was in the defensive line. So I'm really curious to see that list. And if it's in the defensive line, that's really going to hurt Ohio State because they're going against the best offensive line in the country. Um, they do have uh, part of an advantage because Alabama's starting center, Landon Dickerson, is out and they're going with a redshirt senior, Chris Owens. So I, I think that's the thing to watch. What, who is missing and at what positions are they missing and how many starters are involved? And it's the defensive line. That really tilts things in Alabama's favor. I know there was a lot of controversy and a lot of different opinion, whether the the hit on Justin Fields was spearing or whether it was uh, a an ejectable offense, but – all of that aside, Justin Fields looked like he got his kidney, liver, ribs, everything ripped out of his body in that moment. And I'm curious to know if you've heard anything on Justin Fields' health and where he's, you know, where he's at to get back on the field. Yeah, I, I'm told it's not a rib issue uh, right now. It, there's an issue there, but it's not a rib issue. So we're just left to guess. I mean, I think the organs you mentioned might be in play. But uh, in that moment when he was hit by James Skalski, the, the Clemson linebacker, he himself said he went to the medical tent and got shot up. I haven't heard that. I don't know about you guys. You guys are closer to the game than I am. I haven't heard much of that ever in college. Maybe it does happen. But now with these medical tents on the field, I just haven't heard of the kid going into the tent and getting, getting shot up to play. Nope. He was wincing every time he threw and he, and he said it hurt to throw. I suspect he's okay. He'll be padded up tonight. Uh, but, you know, what, what happens if he gets hit in that area? We don't know. Do you, uh, how, I mean, obviously we've seen Steve Sarkeesian. He's been the head coach at Washington, he's been the head coach at USC. Um, now that he's been out of the head coaching ranks for a while, how do you think he handles uh, taking over the reins of a program again? Well, there's a lot of qualifiers to this hire. Okay, Texas took a shot at Nick Saban about three years ago. It didn't work out. They took a shot at Urban Meyer last month. He didn't want to come. So somebody somewhere at Texas woke up one day three weeks after Tom Herman got a vote of confidence and wanted to change coaches. Okay, at that point, at that point, Steve Sarkeesian is about the best name left on the board. 
he's the guy calling these plays for the maybe the most high-powered offense ever. So you go get him. Uh, you've got a, an experienced head coach, but one who's never won a conference title, never won nine games, and um, and you know you go from there. Uh, you know, offense hasn't been the problem at Texas lately; it's been defense. So I guess the question is how he's going to do. That remains to be seen. But right now, four years after Tom Herman was hired as, as you know the next hot guy, he looks a lot like Tom Herman. Uh, I'm not saying he won't succeed. Because there's a little team called Oklahoma in that conference that kind of beats the Texas every year, but it's going to be tough. Dennis, coming into this season, and and as we kind of saw how things evolved with COVID, I I thought that these teams would give a little more leeway to coaches. Have you been surprised at the amount of turnover and carousel that you've seen? I am. Uh, I think there's only eleven or twelve. Uh, in this shortened season. But I remember writing something in the summer that said, you know, COVID was going to give a lot of these coaches a mulligan here in that the games are going to be, the season is going to be, you know, shortened. Uh, the results are going to be so disjointed that a guy like Clay Helton gets an extra year. Well, Clay Helton had a heck of a six games and went five and one. But the other ones where an Illinois, a South Carolina, a Texas thought nothing of just, throwing good money after bad in these buyouts. They have to make a change now. I thought that that was interesting. And in that case, it was business as usual. You know, we've got, as I said, I think Marshall might make it 12. I can't remember, uh, 11 or 12. But, you know, a lot of those are the same. The, the, the market usually goes 22 to 27, something like that every year. I thought 11 was a big amount this year. Dennis Dodd joining us here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Is there uh, – you talk about, you know, coaches and the firings, but there was one that kind of surprised me a little bit. Jim Harbaugh gets his extension. Now, granted, there's a vast reduction in pay there, uh, but yeah. are you surprised that he's back for another year at Mich- – or that he gets some level of security there at Michigan? Yeah, I, I'm not because – Michigan, number one, reduced its liability in terms of the buyout. He's making half what he did before. They had leverage on him in that it looked like there were no NFL jobs uh, for him, and there was nobody that they could get who really moved the needle um, You know that, that would replace him. Matt Campbell wasn't going there. The Iowa State coach who gets mentioned a lot of times. Others weren't going there. Uh, they're head and sho- Ohio State's head and shoulders above Michigan. Michigan's not even the second-best program in the Big Ten. That's hard to say, but that's true right now. It's, it's Indiana. So, you know, no, I, I wasn't surprised. I, I saw as times were going on that there wasn't anything for him. I think he looked around and maybe made that determination. And so Michigan knows that. And so when they have the leverage, they're going to, if you want to come back, here's the terms, and it's incentive-laden, and good luck. Uh, so they automatically reduce their liability if, let's say, they have to fire in next year. Um, you know, they're going to save themselves money, actually. Dennis, I wanted to get a feel from you on uh, kind of your gauge on what's going to happen with the senior class. Do you, do you have a feel for what percentage is going to return and, and how that's going to – Effect whether we're looking just at Power Five conferences or or Group of Five or FBS as a whole, 
How is the senior class option going to affect things? Well, they are obviously everybody gets an extra year of eligibility, but what people have to understand for the seniors who get another year of eligibility, they are not necessarily guaranteed a scholarship. And a lot of people don't know that. Uh, if you're good enough, I'm sure schools, if you want to come back and you're a big-time senior, I'm sure they'll find scholarship money for you. But if you don't, they can just throw up their hands and say, sorry, dude, you know, if you want to come back, it's as a, a walk-on. Or you can go somewhere else and get a scholarship. Um, that's one thing. The other is there aren't going to be this season any uh, roster caps. Um, you know, in other words, you can have as many players on the team as you want, but that's all going to change next year in 2022 when you're going to have to get down to the 85 again oh. and whatever it is in August. I think it's the, I think it's 105 beginning August 1st on the team. So, yeah, you, it's a pretty much unlimited roster right now. You have to adhere to the 25 on signing day, but you can have as many guys on there as you, as you want if you have to carry those extra scholarships from those seniors. Dennis Dodd joining us here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Talking of rosters, you ready for the old Wild West to kick up when the uh, free transfer thing hits? Yeah, and it's not right now. Uh, as of today, officially, it has been delayed. The one-time transfer policy over the weekend, uh, NIL and the one-time transfer, were, were they hit pause, the NCAA, on both issues. Oh. Uh, be, oh, yeah, um, because of, well, a lot of things. The pending Supreme Court case, uh, that is being heard. Uh, the number two person at the Department of Justice on Friday, I think, late sent a, sent a red, uh, letter to Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA, uh, calling into question the antitrust uh, possibilities of name, image, and likeness. And so the NCAA spooked at those possibilities and just hit pause. Today, today is going to be a big day. We are going to get NIL and the one-time transfer policy in the, in the, a preview of this week's NCA convention. That's not happening, and I think now it'll be, a, at least for NIL, it'll be a matter of months before we get this thing cleared up. So do you anticipate, though, that come August kids will be able to transfer? Do you think that gets pushed back? I do. I, it's almost like seeing the sausage made. I don't know how we'll get there, <laughs> but I do think by August 1st, that the one-time transfer thing and, and main image and likeness will be in place. I, I'm frankly surprised that, uh, that the one-time transfer was paused because it doesn't really relate to NIL and as a student-athlete welfare thing that was expected from the, uh, by the membership anyway. But I do think we'll get there. It's going to be a transformative year in, the, in college athletics in part because of that. This bears watching. I, uh, that's what was my curiosity there, Dennis, is how much do you expect it – to increase who's already in the portal because the portal seems flooded with transfers already. What 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 kids are looking at that thinking, well, this is just a better option for me? Yeah, I mean, I, I think now you go back to the old rules, which if you want to transfer right, right away, you're going to have to get a waiver. And those have been given out, I guess, more liberally in recent years. Um, yeah, it's, I, I think it's a fact of of football and life and college athletics, it's going to be full. It's full now. 
it's going to be uh, really a one-stop shop for free agents. You're going to be looking for players. You know, there. I was told by one person there are going to be coaches who are going to model their recruiting classes more around transfers than um, than high school players. If they need help right away, you know, you can go that route if you want to philosophically. So I think all that's on the table. And yeah, it, it just pick your favorite team that needs a quarterback. Go down, open up that list. I think you can get it in twenty four seven among those that have it. You can find some pretty big big names in there. It could be big-time players right away. So, uh, Dennis, and we're not holding you to this by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> no. Do you think Ohio State pulls the upset or Alabama walking away with another championship tonight? I, I, I think Ohio State has a heck of a chance. I picked, I picked Alabama, obviously, um, under the number, which is eight and a half. But I wouldn't be surprised. Now, if Ohio State wins, it would be the biggest upset in the championship game era since – uh, 2002, when Ohio State beat Miami, you remember that game. Miami was an 11 and a half point favorite in that game. Uh, Ohio State hasn't been this big of a of a underdog at all since 2000. What did I want to say? 2011, more than nine years ago. Wow, this is an underdog. And we're sitting here talking about how well matched up they are with Alabama. Yeah, I, I think they can win. And I, again, I think. Watch that list that comes out an hour before the game to see who's playing for Ohio State, especially on the defensive line. There's Dennis Dodd from CBSSports.com. Very uh, great conversation. If you only caught a portion of it, uh, we've got it up uh, uh, wherever you get your podcast. Just search it out. You know, uh, Jake, one of the things that I thought was interesting about what he said was just the emphasis on offensive football now and at the college level. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a little bit of a different world, and that that I believe will be proven tonight, where we're going to see a bunch of points put up. What did he predict? Like forty nine to forty two. Yeah, we might we might get that. We we might. How much of a chance do you give uh, Ohio State? You heard him talking about the the magic uh, sports predicting wizard in Vegas, but uh, what what? How much chance do you get give them tonight? Well, it doesn't really matter who I pick because based on what I did with NFL picks over the weekend, I'm not sure that's uh, 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 the kiss of death. But Alabama's awfully tough to beat. And Ohio State looks so impressive in the semifinal. So maybe we will have a a rip-roaring game tonight, a competitive one. And that's all I care about because it doesn't really matter to me. Uh, When Tom Brady's not playing, yeah. No, not true. (laughs) Not true. So true. <laughs> Not at all. You even uh, you, you are even willing to put aside your uh, your your morals and convictions in uh, because you're such a fan. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. I've never been a fan. I, I, I was not much of a fan of the Patriots uh, in all the years that Tom was there. I, I just get tired of you guys dogging him all the time because <laughs> you know he is a great quarterback. Mm-hmm. where's the unchained melody uh all right stay tuned we'll have more big show coming up next 97.5 and 1280 of the zone this is dj and pk 
joined now by Steve Cleveland. With the COVID protocol, take contending teams completely out of the mix if these things don't get squared away. I've seen teams missing five, six players. It's one thing to deal with injuries, but to deal with the COVID protocol and have to be out for seven days or ten days or whatever it ends up being, that can be really disruptive to a team and there's nothing you can do about it. I honestly think if this doesn't get better, we will be back to some kind of bubble. But can you imagine losing four or five significant players to COVID for four or five days? And that being the reason you lost a championship or you lost in a second round or the third round. I hope that doesn't happen. But man, early on looking at this thing, you pick up the paper every day. The people are going through it and they're missing somebody. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. By the way, band of the day today, Jack Johnson, selected by Lloyd and brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. For the latest tour news and artist insight, go to livenation.com. I like Jack, the, Jack tip, Johnson. Yeah, tip of the cack to Lloyd. Uh, that, the, the songs we've heard so far have really been really good, I think. This reminds me of my college years, kind of when all this music came out. Just chill. Reminds you of summer, kind of, right? Ah, uh, good concerts out at USANA. Yeah. Well, yeah a couple yeah. of his concerts out there. There might well, be concerts who, again at some point. Yeah. Who are your favorite artists? Is Mine? This one of them? Uh, yeah. yeah, this is be one of them. I, I think oh. I played a couple of my favorites. I like Counting Crows. Uh, I don't know. I like, I like uh, all sorts of things. I'm all over the map. Sometimes I feel like going back to high school and putting a little hip-hop on. I'll blast that on my way, uh, on my way going home or something like that, maybe for a minute. Hop in the club, as I, as I, as I call it. Hop in the club for a minute. <laughs> I just googled uh, Portuguese rock stars, and I have not. <laughs> Don't I, ask me because I have no idea. I have not heard of any of these. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you haven't. Uh, there's never been a, a one that has stormed America and done really well here. I don't know. No. I'm sure there's some. Is Lloyd Best thing has come from Portugal, uh, probably Cristiano Ronaldo. The handsomest thing, anyways. The, high, the, the prettiest looking. thing. Yeah. Anywho. All right. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and, uh, and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Gordon, the Jazz still have two road games left on the seven-game road trip. It's really amazing. And then they only come back for a game and then go to Denver. Yeah, they have a long homestand coming up, don't they? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, we'll see how. Maybe this is the kind of test that will toughen the Jazz up. Remember, we were talking about that after what we saw in New York and Brooklyn, where the Jazz needed to be a little tougher. Maybe they're maybe they're learning their way. I, I like it when the regular season does teach 
uh, a team a thing or two, and you see some some evolution of a team as the season goes on. Uh, that would be that would be nice to see out of the Jazz because we think they're fairly talented. They, they need to fill in the gaps, is all. Yeah. Well, I think there are still some flaws with the team that makes it so they're not, you know, favorites to win the NBA championship. What do you think is the biggest problem? Is it still perimeter defense or something else emerged? My opinion is perimeter defense. Mm -hmm. And uh, we didn't see them. I I think uh, the Bucs are an interesting, uh, you know, that's an interesting game to look at because they didn't really, I mean, Drew Holiday is really good. But uh, they, you know, they're centered around Giannis and Giannis uh, handling the ball, and maybe the Jazz are a little bit better equipped uh, to take on a team like that as opposed to, you know, a, a Kyrie Irving. As I mentioned before, one thing with Royce O'Neal and uh, your guy Andy Larson at the Trib has done some interesting comparisons on this. He's really good at guarding forwards, and he's not very good at guarding guards, and he's still their best option against guards, interestingly enough. But it's there's a there's a huge huge difference. Man, do they? Uh, this wasn't the case yesterday, but are they good when they make shots? And it was true for the first half yesterday, or at least what the first quarter the first and a quarter. half. Yeah, and when they get off to a start like that, and they were able to hang on, uh, it just seems to make everything else go better. And no, no duh, right? But this is a team that depends on that that high percentage shooting. See, I don't know if it does. That's what last night's game was, why it was interesting to me, because they didn't shoot very well for three-fourths of that game, and they still won. But if they had played like that from the beginning, they would have lost that game, Jake. Um, and I'm not just talking about points up on the board. I'm talking about overall attitude. I think that gave them enough of a lift to be able to keep fighting, even when things weren't going their way. Yeah, but if that, it had been that way from the beginning – I, I I think they would have been doomed. They still outscored them in the second and fourth quarters. I mean, true, it was twenty three twenty one and twenty two eighteen respectively. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they still outscored them in two out of the final three quarters. Well, we'll see if uh, because if that's if that's a problem that is really going to hurt them long term, I I don't really see an answer with the roster as presently constituted. Do you? An answer I mean, for is, clarify that I'm I'm feeling uh, a little dense as, at the uh, moment. The perimeter defense. No, I don't I mean, think they do they, have an answer. Yeah, I don't. So they would actually have to make a change in order to fix that problem. So I guess it depends on how big the problem is. Or you know, scheme to minimize it. I mean, there there are no perfect teams. I mean, have we ever right. seen a perfect team? You know, every team has its flaws in one way or another. I mean, this uh, I don't think shooting is a flaw necessarily for this team. Um, I think it has been for teams in the past. I think it was uh, a, a real problem with the bench unit before they got uh, Jordan Clarkson last year. You know, two years ago, uh, Donovan was, was the only one who could shoot it, right? So, I mean, it as teams evolve, uh, you know, it, it gets things l- – Flaws change, right? You see, you crit- or you asked Kevin O'Connor in that famous interview where you were saying, "Why don't you have a, a big guy? You know, why don't you trade for a big guy?" And he kept saying, "Well, tell me who to trade for, Gordon." And you kept saying, "It's not my job, Kevin." And he said, "Well, tell me what to do, Gordon," uh, because that was the flaw with that team, right? They were too small to beat the Lakers. But it's it, you know, if it's not one thing, it's another. Has the Jazz's prowess in the rebounding arena surprised you at all? Very much. I mean, they're the best rebounding team in the league. And their second-best rebounder is is Royce O'Neal. That was the case last year. 
Is he second this time around too? Uh, yeah, I believe he still is. Give me, you know, we can look it yeah, up. I, I, yeah, I mean, the addition of favors probably helps. Well, that's something we haven't talked about was the fact that the two of them were actually on the floor together uh, the other night. And uh, what were your thoughts about that, Jake? Because you were predicting that that wouldn't happen. And it really, it probably won't happen all that often, but it seemed to be successful. I wasn't predicting that it wouldn't happen ever. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying and, you were. you know, how many games are we in? And this is the first time we saw it happen. It was for about four minutes. But um, it, it works against a team like Milwaukee that, that um, you know, plays the two bigs. You'd rather guard Giannis to have him shoot outside so you can stick Derek and Rudy on the floor at the same time because one just sags off and protects against his drive. So against a team like Milwaukee, I think it can work. Against other teams, uh, not so much. By the way, Royce O'Neal is averaging eight rebounds per game. Rudy Gobert is averaging 13.7. And uh, your guy, DeFave, 6.3. So it's still yeah. Royce O'Neal. I would imagine. <laughs> man, what would, so that means if you have Gobert on the floor with Favors and uh, and Royce, the Jazz is going to get every rebound. I still can't believe Royce is that good of a rebounder. It's pretty amazing. He's <laughs> only six four. Yeah, he was like five. He had that five five plus last year, but he was second on the team. Is that because more shots are being taken from distance or something? I don't know. Well, he's coming up with a lot of scrappy boards. I'll tell you what. Jazz are the best rebounding team in the NBA at fifty point four per game. Yeah. Number that's... one in defensive rebounding, number four in offensive rebounding. Well, that's impressive. And that will help them, especially when the shots aren't dropping. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know about that. It'll be interesting to see whether Gobert and Favors spend time on the floor together as, as time goes by. Uh, there hasn't been a real indication to believe that it will happen frequently. But I, I did. I thought they did pretty well together the other night. Yeah, and it, it worked fine against the Bucks, And, in fact, it allowed Rudy to come from the weak side uh, to challenge Giannis when he drived. I mean, it, it, it worked well defensively against that particular lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll see about the defense as time goes by because it was, it's, been, it's been good of late, and uh, we'll see how it goes moving forward in the regard specific to, to guarding the wings. I I, I just don't know. I, I don't know how that will go. And, of course, when you, when you talk about these kinds of things, what really matters is matchups and playoffs, you know, and how's that going to go? Because if the Jazz allow a really high-quality team, which they will meet in the playoffs, to go off like that, it's much more difficult for them to win. I'm trying to go through my mind, and maybe this is an exercise for a different segment, but is there a playoff contending team in the Western Conference that doesn't have a, excuse me, a really dominant guard? Um, I mean, the Lakers, I guess. Yeah. But LeBron is basically their point guard. Um, You know, Phoenix, you'll throw Chris Paul in there. Clippers, Paul George, you know, Golden State, obviously, Dallas, obviously, Portland. Man, there are a lot of good guards in the West, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Denver, we saw we saw that matchup even last on, year. Even on, the, even on the teams that haven't been that great. Yep. <laughs> yeah, like Sacramento, who has the Aaron Fox, who I think is terrific. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So they're going to they're gonna have the, that. 
that's going to be something they're going to have to work on or minimize, right? You know, scheme to find a way to to make sure. Because what happened against Brooklyn is is the real um, worry, right? That somebody right. like Kyrie Irving is just going to cook you before you even start. Yeah, and that was blatant because the Jazz could not keep a man between him and the basket. They just couldn't. Nobody, nobody, nobody could accomplish that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's something to keep an eye on. But if the Jazz can find a way defensively to be what? What are they now? Do you know? Are they like eight or seven somewhere in there as oh, far no, as rating goes? Lower than that. Um, defensive rating, 16th, 109.5. Wow. Are they? Offensive rating, 15th, 110.4. See, that, I don't think either one of those are good enough. They need good enough for what, though? I agree with well, you, but but good enough for what? I mean, what, what level are we talking about? Good enough for title contention? No, sir. Well, they're going to have to be in the top ten in both for title contention, for sure, I would imagine. And if they can – yeah, so that's a big question. I agree with you. I think on most nights the Jazz will be all right offensively. Uh, they've just been super hot and super cold. And, again, yesterday was a bit of a – an exception to that, either really good or really bad. And the really good nights they win and the really bad they lose. No, I mean, I know that's simplistic, but that's the way it's been. Yesterday they were kind of lukewarm and they still won. So uh, that's a good thing. But, that, but we're talking about that against the Pistons, not against the best teams in the West. little comparison for you, the Lakers right now, fifth in offensive rating, third in defensive rating. Yeah. Yep, they're the best team in basketball, and uh, not because I'm any kind of Lakers. Try, you know, try to hide your enjoyment a little bit when you <laughs> when you speak care. that said, sentence. I do not care about that. It's all gloom and doom from Gordon, and then all of a sudden you just get that pep right in the voice when he's like, Lakers are the best <laughs> team in basketball. Yep. It's, a, it's yep. so ironic that you would say yep. that because when I was in L.A. working there, Everyone always used to make fun of me because I was not a Lakers fan. You worked in L.A.? Am I missing that? Well, there were a lot of there were a lot of Lakers fans covering the Lakers at the the Union Picune. <laughs> it was I, it was surprising to me how many Lakers fans. I thought there that were. was a no no. L.A. Thought a, an upstanding <laughs> paper like the Times wouldn't have uh, fans on their staff. Well, it usually wasn't the people who were actually covering the team. But you were kind of covering the team, right? You were no, I'm talking about the other beat writers and some of the guys I know were pretty big Laker fans. But why would they, they give you heat for not being a Laker fan? Because I wasn't, and they were. Hmm. I just thought they weren't supposed to be, that's all. They're not. Well, you that's just said they it. were. They're not supposed to be, is what I said. But they not. were. That's what I'm saying. Right, they were. Some sort of standard at that paper. <laughs> I love L.A. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Everybody who works at the Times loves uh, loves the Lakers, even though they're not supposed to. Uh, and not then, everybody, and then but gave a good, Gordon good crap. number of them. Well, they cared about the Lakers. I don't know if I'd call them hardcore Laker fans, but they they were the folks who... So they were, were rattling point. your cage for doing your job? Kind of, yeah. Mm, I expected I've more. Had, I've, I've kind of had that everywhere I've been, though. But that's all right. Even at the watchdog? 
Uh, you know what that is, Gordon? That's just jealousy. Did you call? Are you, are you calling uh, Walden a fan? No, no. Usually not the, the the guys who cover the teams aren't, but there there might be some. <laughs> All right, stay tuned. We'll have more big show coming up next. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty of the zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. You're locked on to the Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome on back. Thanks for making us part of your day. Stay tuned. Coming up top of the 4 o'clock hour, uh, we're going to talk to our friend Chris Maddox. We'll get your daily assist. Gordy Chiesa is going to join the show, the coach, at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, so stay tuned for that. Gordon, uh, this afternoon the Utes just landed a transfer running back, T.J. Pledger. Transferring from the University of Oklahoma. Uh, let's see, last year, TJ played in nine games, had 95 rushing attempts, 451 uh, yards. That's 4.7 per carry at five touchdowns. He did have nine receptions for 77 yards uh, as well. So 528 total yards last year at Oklahoma. He's coming out and uh, going to get a crack at that Utah job. Well, uh, two things come to mind in this regard. One is, if you were a running back who was looking for an opportunity to really shine, why the heck wouldn't you look at Utah? Oh, 100%. And I think that's part of the reason why they've had a really good running back for the past 30 years, 25 years. Exactly. Exactly. And with the the tragic passing of Ty Jordan – the opportunity at, at uh, Utah football right now is is wide open. And so if you've got talent, if you're averaging, what was it, 4.7 yards a yep. carry? Uh-huh. Uh, think about what that might be with the Utes. If you've got ability, you got to be good in order to take advantage of it. But, yeah, I w- if I'm in a situation like that and I don't think I'm getting enough touches, man, I, w- I would look seriously at the University of Utah. Yeah, they're one of the the few programs, and I say few because it really is, but few programs that really are running teams, are running programs. I mean, Utah, is a, they're a running team. They've been a running team even when Urban Meyer was at Utah. They're still a running team. They were a running team under Coach Mack. They're a run team. And, they, and yeah. And if and I'm if a, a running back, I want carries. I mean, you know, uh, I want to carry the Rock 20-plus times a game. And you want a, a pathway to the NFL. And the one here is pretty wide. 
Yeah, well, I mean, we've we've seen a history of some backs. Uh, certainly, Zach Moss felt bad for him uh, leaving the game with a with an injury. Uh, but yeah, there's there's some history of there's actually some history of some really good Utah running backs that were, that didn't go on to the NFL. I mean, you can still uh, like John White the fourth, for example. Yeah, yeah, but there have been those who have uh, found their place and done quite well. So. Yeah, Utah is if you're if they're going to stress your running ability, so go somewhere where you're not uh, watching the quarterback get all the glory. Ironically enough, the best pro running back to come from Utah didn't he uh, play fullback when he was here? Uh, who are you referring to? Uh, Jamal Anderson. I mean, is there anybody else that even was he a, is, was he a fullback? I I think he was a fullback when he was here. Yeah. But is there even an argument to that, Jamal Anderson? I mean, he was the best Utah no. running back yeah. pro career, right? I mean, Mike Anderson yeah. was pretty good. Yeah, he uh, was good for the Broncos. The Broncos, yeah. Um, cut short with injury though. Devon uh, Devonte Booker's had a couple of years, but certainly not on that level. Uh, Maafala had a long NFL career, but he wasn't mm-hmm. exactly a star like Jamal was. Right. Right. Yeah, I I can't think of anybody who would uh, you would put uh, ahead of him. Um. Yeah, not even close. I mean, maybe Zach Moss has a chance. I mean, certainly he's uh, starting on a good team like uh, like the Bills is uh, is going to get you off to a good start. Here we go. Here's Jamal Anderson's years at Utah. He spent two years here. His second year was definitely the better one, and this he had to be the featured back this year. 168, this is 93, 168 attempts, 958 yards, 11 touchdowns. Not a bad year. Not bad, but not uh, not anywhere near the top, is it? No, 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 no. And then, of course, he did. But my on. point is, is he was if he ran for almost 1,000 yards, he was probably more than just the fullback in 93. Right. That was back in the days of two back systems, <laughs> right? Yeah, it was. I mean, yeah, but uh, yeah, I imagine, you know, because of what happened with Ty and uh, you know, and other backs who were sort of in line had transferred, and so there was this just this huge opportunity at the University of Utah. Sadly, so, so uh, I'm not a bit surprised that guys wouldn't line up for that opportunity especially guys who have been who who had bigger dreams than what they were realizing mike mccoy by the way was the uh the quarterback for that 93 utes team and he was uh, efficient yeah he was good um the other running backs by the way pierre jones who turned out to be pretty good and keith williams who was really good yeah well, I, however, they did when they went on to the NFL. Uh, there's been a. Do you have Do you have a list of the uh, running backs that uh, have played at Utah there in front of you? Because that list is impressive, especially when you keep it within the college context. I mean, year after year after year, and in some years they had two guys. Uh, I'm just on College Football Reference uh, or SportsReference.com, okay. so I don't have that that list necessarily in front of me, but. I mean, they've had a stud. You pick a year, and they've got they've got a guy. I mean, I, I can't remember the last year we talked about Utah not having a running back. I, I mean, it's over a couple of years. It's taken them a few games to identify that running back, right? Yeah. yeah. But um, eventually, one surfaces. Uh, let me ask our listeners this: at Jake Scott Zone, at Gordon Monson, list your top five Ute running backs of all time. 
top five. Not in the pros, but at Utah. The way they did, what they did at Utah, yeah. Or, you know, I mean, it doesn't have to be based on stats. It can just be your opinion. Right. Or, right. you know, if there's some some sway by what they did professionally, that's fine, too. But uh, it's an impressive list. That's that's the point. So if, if you have an opinion on that, give it to us. I'd be interested in knowing who, who thinks what. Um, all-time rushing yards is obviously Zach Moss, so he's probably yeah. on there. Uh, just some other names on here. Eddie Johnson, Tony Lindsay. Uh, Tony Lindsay, Bo- that's, that's old-time, right? Yeah, that's uh, late yeah. 70s. Devontae Booker, Ma Fala, Del Rogers from the 70s. Juan Popcorn. Johnson. Popcorn. Yeah, Juan Johnson. Who was Juan Johnson there with? Was Ma that Fala. Ma Fala? Uh-huh. Yeah, because that's a, that's a pretty tough one-two punch right there. Um, single season, uh, so performances in single season. John White the fourth, 1,500 yards in 2011. Remember that? Their first year in the Pac-12 where they had – uh, John Hayes playing quarterback, and the whole the whole offensive game plan that Norm Chow came up with is at the first play of each half, we're going to throw it deep. And then the rest <laughs> of the game, we're handing it off to John White the fourth. Think about that, 1,500 yards. That's amazing. In fact, throw it so deep that your receiver can't even catch it. Yeah, we don't care. We just want to we want <laughs> to let throw the, it. We want to let the other team you know that you have the ability to throw it that far. That's all we need. <laughs> Oh just need do that to, out of the stadium. Just need to jangle their bones a little bit, huh? Loosen them up, and then uh, hand it to John White the fourth. That's that was the plan. Darrell Mack, of course, he had twelve hundred yeah. yards in 07. Um Devontae Booker's on here a couple of times, so yeah, no no shortage of running back talent at uh, at the University of Utah. Yep. Mike Anderson had two hundred fifty four yards against Fresno State in nineteen ninety nine. Of course, Joe Williams has the record with 332 against UCLA in 2016. See, Joe Williams. You don't even really – there's a lot of names on that list. And that was after he retired. <laughs> that was when he came back. <laughs> uh, let's see, all-time touchdowns, rushing t- touchdowns at Utah, Zach Moss with 38. Yeah, Zach. Uh, Matt Asiata had 24. Asiata played for a while with the Vikings. All right, uh, Chris Mannix coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.